0: This is Garage Logic Pod. Nope. 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 Frataloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 172, June 6, 2019, the 75th anniversary of D Day. Uh, Aquaside would have been helpful on this day in 2011 because the kids were at the beach. It was 97 degrees, Oof. and it was only 36 degrees in 1897.
1: And now.
0: We're going to be joined in about 30 minutes by a Washington Post sports columnist named Barry, he needs a vowel, Barry's Verluga. It's Verluga.
3: What, are we talking some big sports today? You going all sports today no, on June 6th? He
0: has written an astonishingly wonderful story about the discovery by his dad and his uncle of their of his grandfather's. Memories of D-Day.
4: Reading it gives you goosebumps.
0: Yeah, you little, you well up a little. Oh mm. man, of the stories of this type, this is as final one as I've ever read. And uh, Barry's going to join us. It's the story of his father, of, of uh, William J. Verluga Senior. Father, golfer, husband, engineer, grandfather, Cubs fan, cheapskate, retiree. <laughs> and what they discovered in his writing is beyond our comprehension, and he'll be joining us at 1230. Uh, we're going to play you FDR's uh, prayer, which he delivered by radio, correct, Chris? Yes, sir. On the night of June 5th. And so this is what America listened to, and what struck me is listening to the, You're going to listen to it, too, GLers. I don't care how long it
4: is. Mm-hmm. I think it needs to be played in its entirety today. I agree.
0: But what strikes me is that today, I'm wondering if we would even have the patience to listen to this prayer, much less act upon it. It's very very telling. Uh, Please play that.
5: My fellow Americans, last night when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the Channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings, their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong, he may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed, but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore tried by night and by day without rest until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace they fight not for the lust of conquest they fight to end conquest they fight to liberate they fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people they yearn but for the end of battle For their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them. Help us, almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer. As we rise to each new day, and again when each day is spent, let words of prayer be on our lips invoking thy help to our efforts. Give us strength to strengthen our daily tasks, to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travel to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons, wheresoever they may be. And, O oh Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, faith in our united crusade. Let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled. Let not the impacts of temporary events, of temporal matters of but fleeting moment, let not these deter us in our unconquerable purpose. With thy blessing, we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogances. Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, almighty God.
0: Well, Bill Bill Sverluga, whose grandson we'll be talking to here in a bit, was one of the sons that FDR was referencing. You can take that music down. Here's just a piece of the writing that the family of Bill Sverluga discovered. Uh, Then I could understand why it had taken us so long to prepare for this great task. It seemed impossible that the human minds of our admirals and generals could perform this great feat with such accuracy and speed. Though it has been mentioned in previous pages, the burying of the dead, some of which had been floating in the filthy sea for days, was truly an ordeal. To look at a mangled mess that was bloated and green with salt blisters, eyes still open and bare feet swollen to three times their normal size, was a sight that no one of us... No one of us shall ever forget, not to mention the smell. The burying of them in the sea was namely three steps. First, to dismantle them of their life jacket. Second, to remove dog tags. Third, to weight them down with iron and give them to the slimy sea. Wow. Now, you know what was, you know what was taking place at the Hippodrome at the State Fair during, the, during this time? No. It was a propeller plant.
3: The Hippodrome was a propeller plant.
0: Minnesota State Fair was not immune. Just, I'm sounding like FDR. Yes, you yeah, are. Yeah, you are. Very,
3: it's hard.
0: Barry <laughs> Bostonian. It's hard not to after listening Chatsworth, to that. Chatsworth, Osborne Jr. Uh, from the Livestock... From 1943 to 1945, the Livestock Complex served as a government-run airplane propeller plant. Did you know
3: that? They made propellers.
0: Great piece in the Pioneer Press today. They picked up a Washington Post columnist named David Vondrelli. They've got two Washington Post columnists today, huh? And he makes a wonderful point. Uh, Given the pace of change in the world today, it boggles the mind to think that we still live in the shadow of an event 75 years in the past. But when the sun set over the English Channel... On June 6, 1944, with tens of thousands of Allied troops firmly lodged on the Normandy coast of France, a new chapter of history began, one that is still being written with an ending yet unknown. D-Day was an economic triumph, as well as a military one. The skies were filled with aircraft built in the United States. The seas were crowded with warships built in the United States. The moment the beaches were secured, they were covered with tanks, trucks, jeeps, and artillery pieces made in the United States. The industrial capacity of the United States, sheltered from attack by two oceans and by friendly neighbors, had simply overwhelmed the capacity of the Axis powers. A single American factory, the Detroit Arsenal Tank Plant, produced more tanks than the entire Third Reich.
4: Holy cow.
0: The Willow Run Bomber Plant at peak capacity produced a B-24 Liberator every hour around the clock. Liberty Shipyards built transport ships more than 400 feet long in as little as five days each.
3: We meant business.
0: Well, we were. It was it was our free freedom that allowed right, this. Right, our so industrial yes. might, and to, and to see that under attack by these these sophomoric, uh, unwise young Congress people that we have, it's just sad. It's just it's just frightening. And he—I'm not going to read you this whole piece—but he goes on and on and on. Uh, Spitfires flew over the English Channel today. Ninety-seven-year-old guy parachuted.
3: I can't believe that.
0: Uh, Tim writes to plan for the operation. The BBC ran a competition for French beach holiday photographs. It was actually a way of gathering intelligence on suitable beaches for the landing. <laughs> The British Special Air Service masterminded parachute drops in which hundreds of dummies were thrown out of aircraft to confuse the Germans as to where the landings were going to be.
3: Wow. Mm.
0: Prior to D-Day, many subs approached the beaches at night and engineers would swim out to take soil samples. They would then swim back and sleep submerged all day in the subs, then repeat the process the following evening. The Allies put a huge effort into convincing the Germans that the invasion was going to be around Calais, not Normandy. They invented a whole group of armies in Kent, building dummy equipment and placing General George S. Patton, who the Germans considered the best uh, Allied general, in southeast England. The Germans took the bait. Even after D-Day, they held many of their best troops in the Calais area, expecting a second invasion. The German Air Force, the Luftwaffe, was outnumbered 30-to-1 on D-Day and did not shoot down a single allied plane in air-to-air combat. D-Day was the largest seaborne invasion in human history. 7,000 ships swarmed the French coast. We're looking at pictures of it now. It's amazing. A Scottish bagpiper was among those who stormed sword... What's what's the word with that? What is this thing? Sword. Sword. I can't say sword. I was going to say sword. Sword. Alex, I'll take S words.
3: Yes. For (laughs) two hundred.
0: Sword. I don't like sword movies. Yeah, I'd rather
5: have a
1: hatchet.
0: A Scottish bagpiper was among those who stormed Sword Beach. He struck up Highland Laddie as soon as he landed, and then calmly walked up and down the beach playing the bagpipes. German prisoners later admitted that they had not attempted to shoot him because they thought he had lost his mind.
3: (laughs) Wow. I'm going to run back and get my... uh...
0: The morning after D-Day, the police raided a brothel that French women had set up and erect Higgins' boat, proving once again that there's always a jerk in every government bureaucracy, even the police department. And then I had... uh, uh, Where was it? Are you aware of a World War II museum in Granite Falls, Minnesota? I'm not. Vaguely. It's called Fagan's World War II Museum. They have done an incredible job of preserving some parts of World War II history. The dioramas in history pale in comparison to the planes they have there and still fly. Several P-51 Mustangs, P-38, P-40s, a Grumman Wildcat, and a B-25 bomber. They have vehicles. From the war, including a 1944 Harley-Davidson, they also have a train car brought from Poland that they set up as a POW car on one side in a Holocaust setting in a more private yet moving setting. They have a fantastic display of the landing at Normandy with real sand from the beaches of Normandy. If you have never been there, you should give yourself a day and drive one of your English automobiles. That's a good idea, because when I'm in one, I pretend I'm in a Spitfire flying across <laughs> the English Channel. Right. That's until it cocks out right. Uh, They have extraordinary measures to capture the voices of valor or, in garage logic terms, great living Americans. They have recorded video stories of many veterans, many of whom have passed, preserving their stories for future generations. On Thursday, today, they will be having a program to commemorate the 75th anniversary of Operation Overlord. Uh, Fagan's Fighters World War II Museum. Look it up. It's uh, in Granite Falls, Minnesota. That's really neat. I had a note though about uh, the one of the greatest foul-ups of you had one job ever. Oh, concerning well, the, the, the war. Well, the head British, the head German guy, Cromwell. Yeah. He got he thought the weather was going to be so bad on June 6th that he went home to give his wife shoes for her birthday. No. Honest to God, and uh, and and that we don't know how how crucial he was. I had the piece here. I can't find I it. I bet that
3: upset the fury. No, you know what he did. He checked out. He checked out. Hey, you know what? Love to be here, but my wife needs a new pair of shoes. So I'll I'll be right back. I'll be back tomorrow. Hold my Uh. cup.
0: With the 75th anniversary of D-Day on June 6th, I thought this memory to be pointed. My father-in-law was in World War II in France as an Army airplane mechanic. Over the past 20 or 30 years, I would occasionally go to lunch with him and his buddies and talk about World War II. Prior to and after the war, my father-in-law was a a semi-pro baseball player out of Albert Lee and for a short period of time was a professional basketball player and played for the Lakers. Uh, one of our lunch partners and a baseball teammate of his was Harold Snuffy Curver. Snuffy was a baton death march survivor. The stories he told about his time as a prisoner of war were horrific. Another man we had lunch with was named Maury Gerlock. Maury was a marine engineering was in a marine engineering group in World War II and was the first group to go in the night before D-Day to open up lanes for the landing crafts, basically one of the first men to hit the beach on D-Day. I was a general contractor in Minneapolis until I retired and had a subcontractor electrician working for me by the name of Chuck Lindbergh. I would sit and talk to Chuck after a day's work at the construction (laughs) shack, and he would tell me about his stories of World War II. He was in the first group to raise the flag on Iwo Jima. When he returned... From the war, nobody believed him, so he stopped talking about it. Clint Eastwood made a movie called Flags of Our Fathers, which told the story about the original flag raisers and the second group that were famously photographed. Chuck was a flame fl- flamethrower in the first group. They're all gone now, but I can't believe the extreme honor that was bestowed upon me to, to be able to have conversations with these greatest generation heroes. This was from Craig Freeman.
3: I have uh, his autograph on Ooh. one of those pictures. Ooh. Uh, 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 Lindbergh? yeah. Lin- on what picture? He had a picture of the flag raising, and I've got his autograph. I forget how we came about that. I, I think maybe Paul Brand was filling in for you one time, yeah. And we had him on the air. Was it probably early wow. June? Maybe you were off, and um, uh, I never realized how lucky I was. I I saw that picture. I you know t- put it away, and uh, I don't have it today. It's somewhere in the storage room, but he you was know, the I, I I guy. got
0: thinking because. It, it's almost become part of the template that news gatherers will point out that you know the black troops served alongside the the white troops, yep. but then had to come home and face segregation, which I, you know, I frankly don't understand and never will. Right. I, I don't get it. Right, but you know, I'm I'm I think that people would be comforted by the thought that they they, they had to be holding on to each other, black guys, black guys, white guys. They had to love each other. They were united. Yeah. absolutely. And yeah. it's pathetic that they came home and had, once they crossed the Mason-Dixon line, had to go to the back of the bus. I don't understand it, and I'm not going to dwell on it because I don't understand it. But I'm comforted by by the fact that that wasn't the case on that beach.
3: They didn't care.
0: That wasn't the case on that beach. They were brothers, everybody. They were all together. Even in And even though black troops had subservient roles, uh, uh, handling supply craft, for example— no one was out of danger on that beach. Right. This guy we're going to talk to, uh, Barry Svergla. Sverluga. He needs a vowel. Sverluga. Oh, his dad or his grandfather. Well, I'll let him tell it. They, they were playing golf one day. It was, it was, uh, they finally started having the nerve to talk to him about it. You'll discover why they couldn't talk to him about it. Uh, and they were. I guess the guy was a great golfer. And they're sitting on the patio of wherever they were playing golf, and. I think it, one, of, one of his grandsons said, well, how close were you? Huh. Meaning to the beach. Right. <laughs> he said, see that tree? Mm. The tree was 25 yards away. And then this guy had terrible post-traumatic stress. I bet. Which was unidentified. But... Uh, he killed a he threw a rock at a rabbit in yeah. his garden. They were they lived in Chicago, and he killed it, and he broke down. He just went nuts, crying because of the amount of death he had yeah, he, witnessed. He, he, he had witnessed. So, uh, but this was a piece
4: that Barry has written for the
0: Washington Post, and Reavers alerted me to it.
4: It's it also by the way uh, I did post it to the Garage Logic Facebook page because I know we're going to get a million emails asking where they can find it. It's also on Twitter. If if you look for GL, you'll find it immediately. Sorry, Joe.
0: And the piece begins. In the summer of 1992, my family gathered in central Minnesota for my grandfather's 70th birthday. We were there to celebrate William J. Sverluga Sr. Father, golfer, husband, engineer, grandfather, Cubs fan, cheapskate, retiree. (laughs) Seven Ah. of us joined in the celebration. Bill Sr.'s wife, Ruth, my grandmother, his two sons, my father, Bill, and my Uncle Dick, their wives, my younger brother Brad, and me. At one point, maybe between the walleye and the turtle cheesecake, the conversation hit a lull. Uncle Dick filled it. Okay, Daddy he asked, what are you most proud of in your life? I think I half expected my grandfather to say the time he shot even par 72. What could be better than that? This was chit-chat, brag about the family stuff, set up on a tee. Instead, he knocked us over with his response. D-Day, he said.
3: Okay, I bet he got their attention immediately.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I remember it both as a matter of fact on his part and jarring to the rest of us. Why, if D-Day had been so important to him, had we never heard about D-Day? We know he had been there, part of the Allied invasion of Normandy. Right then it became apparent how little else we understood. As the 75th anniversary of D-Day approaches, I'm again aghast that I thought he could have answered anything else. And then... In italics, in this marvelous piece that Barry wrote, he provides us glimpses of of, of what his grandfather wrote. And nobody knew he wrote this. Mm. As we arrived in Plymouth, England, April 19, 1944, and in those 47 days preceding the invasion of Europe, we saw and helped prepare in our small way the greatest mass of men, material, and ships in the history of what was to come. For our first two weeks, we had nothing but new maneuvers until we could see them in our sleep, and for a while we began to wonder when and if that day would come, for we had built our expectations to such high levels that nothing seemed to satisfy us. In the spring of 1944, Bills Verluga, then 21, set sail on the USS PC-568, a submarine chaser in the PC-461 class. The ship was diesel-powered, 173 feet long, 450 tons, fully loaded with room for 65 Navy men. In the weeks leading up to D-Day, the ship ran supplies and spies off the coasts of France and Belgium. The missions came at night. They were exhausting. We know this now because in July of 1944, my grandfather wrote it all down. Bill Jr., my father, stumbled upon the document in a dining room sideboard when he was in high school, but his mother caught him there and told him he was not to read it and sealed it back up.
3: Wow. Wow. And then somebody and then, was smart enough to unseal the it.
0: Well, I'm just setting up for when, we, when we're joined by Barry. I, I, I got to think that, uh, I think he's going on Tony Kornheiser's show today. I believe so. I, I got to think that uh, when this piece uh, uh, captures the attention of people like it has me,
4: he, he's going to be wanted to be talked to by everyone. Which is why I'm glad he made 10 minutes for us well, I need more than 10 minutes. Well, that's true. I My, need more than 10 but minutes. But what I was amazed by, you guys, in, in reading that, you, 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 you learn the amount of secrecy That this took on so many levels they literally wouldn't let guys leave because they were afraid you know loose lips sink ships Mm -hmm. and to to not to to just sit and not know what your fate is you know they just sat in darkness for days because they didn't know Uh, it's 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 a it's a different time isn't it
0: Uh, (laughs) It just it's just amazing Say, uh,
3: How are you going to segue into something? I, I, <laughs> I want to know. I know. I know. Let, right. me, let me give you a little relief here and say, what is next? How are you going to segue tell into Tell me more, what? Joe. Ray, what do you want to let us know about, Joe?
4: Oh, man. I'm trying to pick who wants to be the first But one. I tell you what, every one of the advertisers on this show is proud of GL and the show that is being put together today to celebrate the 75th anniversary. Well, I want to get you to
0: EcoFund Motorsports in Forest Lake. Uh, Marvelous stuff, including the electric-assist bikes. But there's a special right now. Uh, Tim's got a one hell of a motorcycle for sale. Uh, it's it, it's if you're going to do some cruising, you got to consider this. It's a new 2018 Yamaha Star Venture Transcontinental Edition. The retail price with the full continental transcontinental kit is 27 grand. They have it marked down to 21.99. Wow, wow, it's a marvelous bike. Okay. I've seen the pictures of it. Uh, that's after all of our discounts in Yamaha customer cash plus sales tax. Uh, uh, it's the Cadillac of bikes. It has everything you could ever want. It's 113 cubic inch air-cooled overhead valve V-twin, full GPS infotainment touchscreen, four speakers surround sound radio with Bluetooth and phone hookups, heated seats, electric parking assist, forward and reverse, power tilt windshield, and low interest financing for six months. Uh, you Full might bathroom? as well be. But uh it, that is the bike. If you're gonna take off and go to California, this is the bike you want to be on. Mm. It's absolutely okay. uh, it's a, the 2018 Yamaha Star Venture and a great deal on it now. Plus all of the other great equipment at EcoFund Motorsports, scooters, mopeds, youth ATVs, youth snowmobiles, and those Bentelli, Bentelli e-bikes with five different levels of assist. They're they're right in downtown Forest Lake. Or online at EqualFunMotorsports.com.
1: Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere.
0: Am I joined by Barry? Barry. <coughs> yes. You need another "Vol" in that name, by the way. <laughs> You think you're the first person who said that, right? <laughs> <laughs> you are very, how do I say it, Forluga. Nicely done. All right. You're a sports columnist with the Washington Post. That's correct. But of a younger generation, so in my days as a sports columnist, we would not have uh, seen each other, I would imagine. How old are you?
2: Uh, 48.
0: Well, close. I, we might have covered stuff together. Who knows? Say... I've read a lot of pieces uh, of the type you've written, but I've not read a better one uh, than what you've done.
2: Uh, I, well, I appreciate you saying that.
0: I find it extraordinary for three—I discovered in it three layers, and you correct me or uh, educate me. Uh, the one, none of you guys knew that he could write like that, right? For sure. Number two, that extraordinary uh, domestic situation while he's overseas, what happened at home— and and three yep. and three, uh, the inability to ever discuss this and w- explain for us uh, what happened in the summer of 1992.
2: So yeah, and that's where I started the magazine piece um, for a reason um, because we were celebrating his 70th birthday actually in central Minnesota. Um, my uh, my dad lives in Minneapolis. He's lived in the Twin Cities for a, a long time. And, and they used to have a little lake cabin. And we were at dinner up there. And my uncle said, just kind of in a, you know, making conversation kind of way, well, hey, we're here to celebrate your 70th birthday. What, what, what are you most proud of? And, and he said, without hesitation, really, D-Day. And, Well, it's so logical and makes so much sense now, Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I think it caught all of us a little off guard because, um, this was not something he talked about. If that was the most significant thing in his life, um, why hadn't we heard that? Now, since this story appeared in the Washington Post magazine first last week and then in print over the weekend, um... I have heard from so many relatives of veterans um, specifically in World War II, but also in other um, wars who said the exact same thing. They, they had known that their, you know, father, uncle, brother, whatever was, was in the war. um, And they had never heard any uh, of the details. So um, that began kind of a, a long exploration for us with him of, of what he went through, um, and all these years later results in this magazine story.
0: Tell us uh, the story about your father, uh, and it would have been your grandmother, uh, preventing your father from... Apparently your father discovered this uh, when he was in high school, is that correct? He discovered the well, writing, but then your grandmother wouldn't let your dad read it.
2: Yeah, and there are two layers to that. One is exactly what you said. There's I keep calling this thing a journal. It was really a—it's a, a sixteen-page document that my grandfather typed um, or had typed for him mm-hmm. uh, while he was at a rest camp in England, um, a little more than a month after D-Day uh, and before he went on um, his next mission, which was uh, the invasion of southern France from the Mediterranean. Um, and it's a—it's a remarkable recounting of. Not only the events of June sixth, but the the run-up to it and and the aftermath i mean i it's a it's a historic document for sure um so my dad did find it in uh i believe a dining room sideboard. His mom, as you said, i don't know if caught is the right word but did say, "Hey, you know that's a private document um, you know you shouldn't be reading it and by my dad's recollection he he kind of mentally filed that away, and um, and thought, you know, I'll find that again someday. And and you know, when my grandparents passed away in 2006, he was cleaning out their um, personal effects, and and there it was in a in a drawer. So you, if you go back to your first point, that's by that point we had visited Normandy um, with my grandfather and gone through that incredible experience, but mm-hmm. but. Here's where we discovered, wow, how self-aware he was in the moment. Um, One of the importance of what he and these thousands of other sailors and soldiers were doing um, in terms of the future of the world, Um, but also uh, what a great writer he was and and how vivid the images were and how he was able to capture the, the, I guess I would call it, emotional uncertainty of everything that they were doing, that you know, even on um, missions in the days and nights leading up to, to D Day, with all the mines in the English Channel and, and German air forces and all that kind of stuff, you, you never knew whether you were coming back alive or not. So, that was that the, the, describing the stress was um, amazing. I, 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 really think,
0: I think his writing was extraordinary.
2: Exactly. Let me let me, read was,
0: two, let me read two paragraphs. It seemed fantastic as we did our work each night so close to the enemy, sometimes right under their noses and then making a mad dash back to England before daybreak with what seemed unbelievable luck. Our days were occupied with sleep, rest, and preparation for our next mission. Why we were never interrupted or discovered by the enemy is beyond explanation. God and luck must have been with us because many of the other ships that were assigned to our squadron never came back. Our orders, when deciphered, were, if trapped by enemy, jettison ship. Jettison meaning to completely destroy the ship and material so it could not come in to their possession. Our nerves were beginning to tell of the strain we were going through as each night passed. We were not allowed to go ashore during the day or mingle with anyone because of the information someone might let slip from his lips. Each night as we headed back into enemy territory and the coast of England slipped into the sea, I knew that not only I, but each and every one of us wondered if we would ever see... Uh, if we would live to see the break of day that's that's fantastic writing
2: amazing, it amazing. Really and, you know, is. A, he was a, um, an engineer by trade when he you know he made it home survived and and um, you know on the GI bill ended up going to um, <laughs> drafting school and he worked in suburban Chicago designing um, parts for locomotives for general Motors for forty something years mm-hmm. so this wasn't you know he 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 had that ability, but we didn't know anything about it until after he had died, and we found this document.
0: Was he an ornery guy? Did you get to spend time with him as a as a younger guy? Did you know him very well?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, super well. Um, he he was twenty one when my dad was born, and my dad had me when um, he was twenty six. Mm-hmm. So he was only in his late forties as a grandfather. Uh, and you know, he taught me how to play golf, and he was a great golfer himself. Loved. Love the game and, and the best player I've I've played regularly with um, so we had a great relationship um, he's a big Cubs fan uh, we used to go to sporting events um, all that kind of stuff you do with your with your grandfather um, you know who was more than able-bodied for you know 30 35 probably close to 40 years of, of my life so um, so had a great relationship with him but you know didn't know about the war stuff until much later in his life.
0: What is it you think you uh, What is it you think you discovered? Uh, did he 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 apparently had a troubled life? Is that correct? Like you you describe dinner hours were short, for example.
2: Yeah, so you know my my dad and my uncle, and particularly my m- uncle, remembers that their house growing up as being tense. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, it was very typical fifties household that might you know might grandfather would arrive home at five fifteen, dinner would be on the table that his um his wife had made. They were essentially done with dinner at five thirty. There was not a lot of chit chat. It was not a warm, fuzzy place. Um and then in the story, I mean I, I wondered about writing about this and we ultimately decided to include it. Um but my grandmother while um her husband was away at war, uh before he came back and after the birth of, of my dad, his first child, um, had a, a daughter with another man, so that uh, they, their marriage survived. In, in some ways, late in life, was was really great. Um, but that development had to set a tone in the household um, for for my dad and, and his younger brother.
0: So he knew um, about he knew about his wife's indiscretion. He knew that
2: he knew it. He okay. knew it. it. She was honest with him about it. They did not talk about it. Uh, is my understanding. Beyond that, they took care of the problem. Um, and the reason that we decided to include that in this story, um, you know, we really went back and forth. I went back and forth with the editor uh, on it, and the editor made the point uh, that this is the kind of war story we, we don't hear. Um, and that's not to make light of anything that's in there about D-Day and the bodies he saw and the friends he lost and, and all the horrors that he lived through. But there's a fallout on the state side of things, too. And and my dad did talk to um, his father, my grandfather, uh, about um, this uh, daughter that his mom had had, who my dad and my uncle have a relationship with now. It's all, it's, everything's good. Um, but my grandfather essentially told his son, look, that's, you just dealt with it and you moved on. You, you did not, um, it's not something you dwell a lot about. It's not. There was not a lot of, you know, let's go to couples therapy or any of that kind of stuff. You just, you, you, in a sense, I guess, you locked it in a box and then you kept living your life.
0: Well, and and, and when you said they took care of it, uh, uh, clarify that. So it's, they, the the, daughter, go ahead. The
2: daughter ended up living living and being raised by um, my grandmother's mom uh, and was presented to my dad and my uncle um, in their early years as a cousin um and so in a way it was this quite elaborate lie um but the the my grandmother got to see her daughter she wasn't raising her as her daughter um but that was how the the arrangement and by took care of it i mean they set up a way for this child to be raised but not to be raised by my my grandfather who was not the the birth father so um so you know everything kind of came out as they do in families later uh, later on. Um, and in the end, uh it ended, ended up being kind of a nice story of how noble my grandfather was mm-hmm. in welcoming this young woman um into his family. she she to this day calls him dad well so, his his
0: um, his love letters to his uh, wife are just uh, they're also extraordinary just beautiful, so beautiful writing discovery. yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, he. He's away and, and, um, you know, day after day after day would write these. That's what they were. They were love letters to his wife, his pregnant wife at home, um, you know, worried about the impending birth of what would be a son who was my dad, um, worrying about her health and safety. You know, she was so many women were um, was involved in the war effort stateside. She was she was a you know essentially rosie the riveter type mm-hmm. uh, in a shipyard in, in north of boston um so uh so many layers revealed in a lot of different ways both you know one-on-one interaction with him but also you know his writings to his wife and then and then that that journal or essay that he that he wrote
0: when he was over there. Ruthie, if I only knew that you were all right and our son or daughter was there with you, if I could hear just one little word, it would relieve my mind so very much. I keep thinking that something might have gone wrong. Our child is probably in your arms by this time, my darling, but until I hear that you are safe and sound, it shall seem worse than any invasion. Uh, again, this this fellow could write, in as you say, very self aware. Describe for us, uh, to the best of your knowledge, exactly what his role was uh, in and around D Day.
2: Yeah, so he was in the Navy, um, and he was on a a, a ship, uh, a sub chaser they called it PC five six eight, um, and it was a smaller ship. This was built for sixty five people. He he wrote that there were sixty two sailors on it um, when it was when. They they went over for D Day, so leading up to um, the invasion, they would run marker buoys and and in some cases spies over in the night from England uh, to the coast of France, um, preparing for this invasion. That's where he was. What you read earlier, you know, they were mm-hmm. wondering when the attack was going to happen, and wondering if they were going to even survive to see the attack, and then wondering, you know, what exactly that would look like, and then on the morning of of D-Day, June 6, 1944, um, that ship, PC-568, was about 50 yards off um, Omaha Beach, and my grandfather was at a um, machine gun, and his job was to try to provide as much cover as he could for the Army soldiers who were landing on the beach and trying to scale the bluffs. If you've seen the pictures of Omaha Beach, um, it's huge kind of cliffs that they were trying to um, scale. Right. and attack the Germans. And so he he was trying to gun down the Germans as the Germans were gunning down the American um, soldiers. So uh, not on land, but very, very much in the thick of uh, the battle. Um, And when we went back with him in 2003, um, I was really struck by how many specifics he remembered about, you know, the shape of the coast Mm -hmm. and who was where and what they saw and what they felt. It was pretty uh, remarkable.
0: And wasn't his submarine subsequently blown up?
2: So his ship was um, days later, I can't remember exactly how how long later, they were trying to get into Cherbourg Harbor uh, and help rescue Americans there and and help that that city was still up for grabs. Um, And the the ship was... uh, Uh, Hit once there, and then later, actually on June 29th, um, which was my dad's birthday, the day he was born, um, they had a mine. And, uh, you know, six sailors were just instantly killed. Um, The the ship did not sink. Um, He describes in the journal the efforts that the remaining sailors um, took to keep it afloat. Um, But he was tossed into the sea from... From the ship, by that mind blast, and as he wrote later, you know that was actually a good thing because it was a, a startling landing, but it was a soft landing in, in the water, mm-hmm. um, and they was able to get back aboard and, and they, that ship limped, limped back to England and and they got to rest camp um, before they uh, had to go out again. Uh, did he write these
0: sixteen pages to the best of your knowledge in one in one sitting? It
2: it very much is. I don't know this for certain, but there are passages in it that say, "As I sit here on the morning of July 11th and Mm -hmm. recount this, or something like that." It 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 seems like it was, you know, if not one sitting, maybe it was over two days. But it was very specific, Um, and it's a tight piece. I mean, he goes over a lot of material. 16 pages isn't a lot um, on an event that you know has been covered in in books and movies that are, you know, hundreds of pages and hours and hours long. Um, so I, that's, it's, I, I, I hesitate to call it a journal because that makes it seem like he's making these entries over and over. This is more like a cutting open a vein and, right. and spilling it out in the moment. Um, you know, uh, those days and nights leading up to it through um, the time when his, uh, when his boat hit the mine, ship hit the mine.
0: Did he ever write again
2: about this, do you know? Not not that we know of, um and it would be great if he did. I mean, if we had if I had figured out that he could write like this um when he was still alive, I would have hopefully would have encouraged him to to do more and maybe helped him do do more. Um you know, it was it was so we felt so fortunate that we at the end of his life started to hear stories and, and hear him verbally speak about it, that it never really occurred to me that you should be writing this down, particularly because I didn't, you know, I didn't have any reason to believe that he a liked writing or B was any good at it because I hadn't seen samples of his work. Um, but I, that's one thing that, you know, my, as a former sports writer, you, you would know how many friends you have that are writers. Um, so many of my writer friends have, have uh, reached out and said, well, you know, we know who the writer in the family is, uh, and it's not you. uh,
0: Well, maybe that's where you
2: got it. Who knows? Who knows?
0: Did he retain friends from his days in the service, guys that he would make a point to see uh, every six months or every couple of years? Do you know know if that – I asked that because I had an uncle who in the middle of dinner, maybe once a year, he would get a phone call, he'd leave – he had to go to the airport because a guy was flying through. And we only concluded later that there was a guy he was serving with in World War II.
2: So he, one of his best friends um, through his whole life was a guy he was in the Navy with um, before the war. And in fact, they, they met um, sisters at a roller rink. They were stationed at the um, Chelsea Naval Base in, in Boston, and they You know, went as sailors would do looking for girls on a whatever Saturday night at a Mm -hmm. roller rink and they met sisters and they ended up marrying the sisters. So Mm -hmm. he had this lifelong uh, friend from Kentucky. He was my grandfather was from suburban Chicago and they became brothers in law and they were both they both loved golf and they were kind of an odd fit, but they um, they were lifelong friends. They didn't serve together on the same ship. Um, And I don't know my dad, and my uncle. Um, may know of characters from that ship specifically that that he was tight with over the years, but I'm not um, I'm not aware of the kind of the circumstances that you uh, described, which I, I mean only makes sense, right? The, the only people who could understand what you've been through are the people who have been through it with you. Um, so I can see how those relationships would be important.
0: Do you think he, you Do you think your grandfather was able ever able to have heart to heart talks with his his Kentucky friend?
2: You know, I just don't know because I don't know if um, how dissimilar their experience once they got in the war was. Um, my sense in, in hearing from uh, readers of the story who had relatives in, 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 as I said, either that war or other wars was, was you know, the more similar your circumstances were, the more likely you were to talk about it with, with someone. So... Um, I think it makes sense that, uh, you know, there's an apples to apples element here and and they can kind of say, yeah, that's, that's almost confirm what they saw. But I also think, you know, that was from a generation that didn't unlock boxes a lot and, and wasn't familiar with openly discussing, you know, secrets or, or innermost feelings. Um, so I think there's a lot of stoic silence, uh, about it. Um, and again, I'm just. I think our family is just appreciative that that late in life, um, he wanted to go back. And as he told my father, you know, well, why do you want to go back? Well, because I owe it to the guys. Um, and you know, we we stood in that on that beach and and stood at the Normandy American Cemetery that you might have seen on the news this morning with.
0: We're looking at a cross. picture of it right now.
2: Yeah, crosses and Star of David and. and him just standing there saying, "Could have been me. Could have been me." And mm-hmm. that's that's what you live with, I think.
0: By today's knowledge, would he be a, a classic case of post-traumatic stress syndrome?
2: You would think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a story in the in the piece that I wrote that my uncle told me about. Um, you know, a simple thing where uh, he was there was a rabbit um, in the backyard eating the vegetable garden, and my grandfather picked up a rock and threw it at the rabbit to scare it away. Well, it ended up killing the rabbit, and there was my grandfather all of a sudden breaking down on his knees, like sobbing in the mm-hmm. backyard, having to be helped into the house by his, um, by his wife. Um, if that's not PTSD, then I'm not sure what is. Yeah, uh, they didn't way. have the term at the time, but uh, yeah, I think it would be a classic case.
0: Well, he sounds like a classic American, just one hell of a classic American.
2: Great guy.
0: And you're hearing, uh, I'm very interested that you're hearing from so many people. I bet you will continue to as this story gains traction. Uh, it's a marvelous piece you've written. And, uh, and again, it's so distinguished because of these different layers to it. You should be really proud of this.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks for saying it. Thanks for reading it. And thanks for um, spreading the word about it a little bit.
0: All right. Thanks, Barry. Good Thank to you.
2: talk
4: to you. Thank you.
3: What ad are you going to do next? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow.
4: You have to read it. It's Joe. Joe's not blowing smoke. It'll give you goosebumps. It's a nice piece. It'll make you well up, and it's important for everybody to read this.
3: I could have listened to him for another half an hour, by the well, way.
4: Well, the only reason we let him go is he's got to go do another, another
3: show. Another
0: interview.
3: Oh. oh, man,
0: this guy could write. As we crossed the English Channel, meeting thousands of ships, it seemed as if they came from nowhere. My mind went back to my wife that in a few days or weeks would give birth to our child. My dangers were minor compared to the thoughts that ran through my mind of what could happen to her giving birth to our son or daughter. Perhaps to some, they were foolish thoughts, but to me, the life of my wife meant the world itself. I did hope and pray that if something did happen to me, she would, hear, she would not hear of it until after our child was born. There was a job to be done, and if it was done with success... I knew I could get to see them both again.
3: Can you imagine how long those nights were? How uh, the how your mind, as a human being, would race.
0: The other thing you learn in, uh, reading this piece is the utter exhaustion all of the all of the personnel experienced, whether they were on land or in a landing craft or in a sub or on a boat uh the parachutes the the exhaustion they they never got to sleep it was chaos it was hectic right. and yet they they had a there was a there was an outline for what they were to do it was well planned out and but they were they would just pass out on their feet sometimes from exhaustion
3: <laughs> uh, that this could not happen again. we do not have young people. That would be up to the task. And I,
4: I,
0: well, I don't, we do,
4: just don't not know. as many as we did in 1944. We, 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 we do, but I'm having a Roycey like gas attack. You, you,
3: you are. are, but look at how polarized we are. And I, I, I just don't think we have enough chutzpah. The very
0: might that freed the world, the very industrial and economic might that freed the world is now frowned upon by many mysterians in this country. And it was that it was that extraordinary economic engine that was able to turn out a plane an hour, right. a impressive. boat every four days. You're
3: talking 1940s. Uh, uh, you
0: know, and the industrialists saying, here, here's my, here's my assembly line. Of course, they got paid by the government, but uh, you know, the state fair, hey, we got room, we'll build propellers. Uh, it was... And and to to listen to some of these babbling fools that we're encountering now in our <laughs> political life is just uh, it it can be just terribly disheartening, but I, I don't this think country said we're all in
4: yeah we're and, all in
0: and I think I think it, w- it we would be again uh, I think the correct answer is yeah just not as many maybe I think we saw I mean it. you two if you were put on the ship you'd say wait a minute I got to go back I yeah, forgot my shoes, shoes. Yeah, yeah my watch I forgot over my here left my comb here. Here. behind Larry, Larry. <laughs> no you know what we probably would have been the same. What's the line? I just his greatest line.
3: But being away from your family would play head games and make you absolutely yeah. crazy. It's the I, unknown. I, it's I the unknown it. that would
0: kill you. Yeah, but what about that line? We had a job to do, and if we did it well, we, we could succeed. get back. Yep. Mm-mm,
4: mm-mm. Well,
0: I don't know.
3: Well, let's Patriot ride.
4: Here we go. Uh,
3: here we go. No, there you go. Good time. There we go. Good answer.
0: From DennisKirk.com. Join w- more than 5,000 motorcycle riders along with thousands of other people on Saturday, June 22nd. They assemble at the Anoka County Airport for the 14th Annual Dennis Kirk Patriot Ride. Right now, we're all feeling a little patriotism. Special tribute will be paid to military personnel and law enforcement officers. Money will be raised for nonprofit causes that support them. You don't have to have a bike to participate. It's, it's going to be a great event. They got music, a hundred vendors. Uh, there will be a T-6 Thunder Air Show, an Bird flyover, Vikings cheerleaders. I don't know what they're doing there, but they're not hard on the eye. Are no, they? they're, they're not, not hard on, on the eye. Here we go. Rah, rah, Vintage warplanes, live music by Emerson Avenue, lots of food, over 100 vendors and more. Be there at 4 p.m. for a chance to win more than $10,000 in door prizes and buy a $10 raffle ticket to win a 2019 Harley Road Glide to be given away the day of the ride. And then when you're maintaining that Harley Road Glide, DennisKirk.com will have everything you need. Uh, there's so much to do at the Patriot Ride. You have to go to the website and take it all in. Patriot Ride, that's one word, patriotride.org. Saturday, June 22nd at the Anoka County Airport.
6: it's officially cigar season here in Minnesota. Whether you're fishing, golfing, sitting around the fire, or just hanging out in the garage, there's nothing like a good cigar. And Sodi's Cigar and Pipe in Stillwater is the place to get them. Go to Sodi's to buy your cigars, and it's more than just a purchase. It's an experience. It's a beautiful shop with a huge humidor stocked with a wide variety of cigars. But the best part is the smoking lounge. It's separated from the purchasing area and has a state-of-the-art ventilation system. So you can go in, smoke a cigar, and walk out without carrying the smell with you. The guy at Sody's Cigar and Pipe have the knowledge to pick out exactly what's right for you. Looking for a great Father's Day gift for dad? Check out the Father's Day weekend specials. Buy four, get one free on all my father's cigars. 20% off purchases of any box, any brand, plus special gift included with a purchase of any box. Located right off of Highway 36 on Osgood Avenue in Stillwater. It's the last light before you head over the bridge. Hang a right on Osgood, and you'll see sodi's Cigar and Pipe immediately on your right. Also find them at Soty's Cigars.com.
7: Insurance agencies today. This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group. The big just keep getting. Have you noticed the consolidation happening to commercial insurance agencies today? This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group. The big just keep getting bigger and you and your business continue to get passed around until you become a dreaded house account. You have been consolidated. All of this was done to you without your control. Get options and take control of your company's insurance program. Have the Canopy Group help you gain a commercial insurance strategy that makes your business more attractive to the insurance industry. The more insurance companies that we can get interested in your business, the more competitive your pricing will be. If your business is renewing in March, April, or May, and is paying less than $80,000 in premium, don't accept being a house account. Get the attention you deserve with the Canopy Group. Visit thecanopygroup.com or call 800-967-3389, 800-967-3389, The Canopy Group.
0: Hey, Patrick. Yes, sir. Uh, Todd uh, Cordes writes, I've been a GL listener since the 90s and, ex- and can't express how much joy I'm getting. I'm, 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 for all the years I've been listening, I don't ever recall hearing the history of the organ music that is the sports talk theme. Could you please fill me in? Uh, I, what's your memory of it? I know what mine is.
8: No. We were uh, taken up to uh, Mr. Hubbard Sr., not Stanley S.
0: No, the grandfather, the grandfather.
8: The grandfather, and uh, we were were told as as, uh, Monday Night Sports Talk was gaining some momentum. Now, this was still Monday it wasn't Sunday? Yeah, wait, was it, was it, did we start that on Sunday nights?
0: (laughs) Yes, we did. Here we go. We yeah.
8: started that on Sunday nights. Okay, so we were still in this, the building we're in now. And we went up to this area we'd never been up to. Right. And and met, the only time I ever met, the, the inventor of radio in the Twin Cities, uh, right. Mr. Hubbard Sr. Sr. And uh, they played, we were told that he loved this pipe organ music that they had, used to play at the country barn dance that they had downstairs or something. Right. And... He played it for us and uh, several tunes, and yeah, I think you and I are the ones that picked out seventy-six trembles. We thought it was well, you know
3: properly uh, enthusiastic.
0: That's right. Not That's to mention that good. the order came from the top. <laughs>
3: right. How soon were you guys nodding? Yes, yeah, right. yes. we oh, love yeah, that really, idea. Well, when did we start? We were not. We were not ordered.
8: We were not ordered on penalty. Of being fired, even though we did get fired later, yeah. But uh, we were not ordered, but we certainly—I uh, I took it as a strong hint. I did too. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> it's like leaving breadcrumbs. I even did too. You might want to.
8: And we were uh, we were hard into our radio career there. We were making uh,
3: twelve cents an hour on Sunday
8: nights, and uh, we were doing three hours. And
2: sure, if you want to do that,
8: we'll do that. That's fine. So, and yeah. then uh, when we came back, of course, and. Around Labor Day in uh, '83, we uh, brought that with us.
0: So. Do you know we, a? We
8: enjoyed it so much. So,
0: do you know a sports columnist for the Washington Post named Barry Ferluga?
8: I do not know Barry personally. I know Evan; he's very good, and uh, he's uh, you know he's, he had a pretty uh, pretty good reader today about his uh, grandfather uh, having uh, uh, written the uh, letters uh,
0: this. This treasure
8: trove of letters that he had never revealed to anyone of uh, his World War II experiences, including Normandy Beach. Right? We
0: just had uh, Barry as a guest, and it was fascinating. Did you did, Barry. Way oh, to yeah. go. I
8: yeah. was trying to get his number for you.
0: He get well, he called me Jim and uh, at the end, which is fine. Uh, it's close enough to That's Joe. Right. It's three letters. But Revers Revers thinks that it, he might be a buddy of Jim Suhan because apparently it was Suhan who retweeted the story locally. That's how it, I first
4: yeah. was aware of his of his stories. So that's my guess was his. So now he thinks Suhan's one hell of an interviewer.
8: <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, maybe he did think he was. Talking to him. That's true. Well, yeah, but I'm sure it was. Uh, I'm sure it's great. I'll have to listen to it. I've been out. I've been out on the water today celebrating the 75th anniversary of D-Day by uh, looking at Wysetta Bay. Really? The Brad and I came out here and we're uh, we're about to eat lunch, and uh, she was in shopping for a while, so I sat out on a park bench here. The summer season has started for the the wealthy boaters. (laughs) Uh, Pulling up to the... uh, uh, Cold here now, the well, old sunset.
0: Yes, in there's a, a doctor. Limited
8: of in limited apparel. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: so now it's right. We get another deal,
8: I, I might be back. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what's wrong with your ball club? Not much, I don't think, huh? June Sloan. Yeah.
8: June Sloan. It's as rich in baseball history. As the infield fly rule, uh, the June swoon—you got to watch for those. They are now the June swoon doesn't quite mean as much as to when you had one league. You know, you only had two teams to go to the World Series, and if you had the June swoon, uh, you were pretty well out of luck because uh, you had to win the entire league to uh, advance. Now there's five playoff spots available to you, and. Uh, and, you know, having a lousy month isn't as punishing as it used to be, but uh, I do love, I was looking up earlier today the history of the June Swoon. A lot of people put it with the Giants when they got to San Francisco, but I I think it comes earlier than that, because uh, the first June that the Twins had here in 1961, they lost their first eight games, uh, fired the manager, and uh, went 10-21 and 21 for the month, and I... Richly remembers all being aware of the June 4th Mm
0: -hmm. uh,
8: that first year.
0: Is Toronto going to win the NBA?
8: Well, I don't know. Maybe Durant, who's basically, I I don't know. It seems to me that Durant's doing the same thing to Golden State that Kawhi Leonard did to San Antonio last year. He just doesn't want to play. I don't know what's going on with him. But uh, if he doesn't come back, I think uh, Toronto has an extremely good chance. If Durant comes back. And uh, i, I got to think Clay Thompson will play the next game, too. I'd still say it's 50-50. I, w- I wouldn't say it's, uh, you know. But but if they have to play with that same lineup again uh, in Game 4, then, then they aren't going to win it. If, if they don't have either Clay Thompson or
0: Durant
8: for Game 4, then Toronto, Toronto will beat them. Uh,
0: uh, I, I, as much as I want St. Louis to win a cup just because they never have, uh, and it would bring the cup back to Middle America. I still like the Bruins to, to win this thing.
8: Yeah, we're back. Uh, we're back tonight. Yep. I'm now uh, the big guy. The six foot nine defenseman Chara is uh, probably not going to play tonight. He got hit in the face with a puck, and uh,
4: even though he wants to,
8: he yeah. Oh, is that what it said?
4: Well, the doctor's the
8: one. Hell, that he kept came him back out.
4: to the bench the other night. They
0: just didn't put him back on the ice. Yeah.
8: yeah. Yeah, that's all he's got to look. At. That that guy's scary enough without big puck marks in his face, man.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> so, true.
8: He's afraid he's You know, if, if, if it was the old NFL, NHL, and we didn't have all this concussion nonsense, I could guarantee you he'd be playing, right?
0: Pat, he wanted was, to play the other night.
8: Yeah. Wow. Unruh. I'll tell you what. That St. Louis will beat you up since they changed coaches. That's mm-hmm. for Ruby or you whatever. Know, this guy, they're uh, they play it physical. That's for sure. Well, you. Where well, you gonna I'm, have, kind wh- rooting, I'm kind of rooting for the blows even though Boston has had this long championship drought. That's the true. <laughs> yeah. so, they, they really. I mean, they did win the World Series in November, and they won the uh, they won the Super Bowl in
0: February. But come on, it's been four months.
4: That's here. right. There are four months old that have never experienced a championship. <laughs> yes.
0: Right. Where are you having lunch?
8: Uh, well, lunch at a place called McCormick's, which is an old Wyzetta McCormick's, not not McCormick and Chick's. Yeah, yeah it's a Wyzetta McCormick's. All right. But the other, the sunset was uh, pretty much jam packed all of it because there were other voyeurs over there looking at the uh, looking at the uh, young rich kids uh, on their in their boating attire.
4: So. I see. All right, well, you. Uh, hey, one really quick thing, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, I had on the beer show last week my first ever non alcoholic craft brewery right here in the Twin Cities. You ready? What is the name of it? Hairless Dog Brewing Company. You I know, mentioned. You. I don't
8: know if I trust these craft guys, though. They might be putting <laughs> alcohol
1: in it. <laughs> <laughs> With their
8: long beards. I and don't oh, trust all the, of the craft sudden,
3: guys. I go out and drink three, and I'm
8: saying. Get me to the
3: Tangaree. I'll take that craft, non-alcoholic Tangaree, please.
5: Yeah.
8: That's enough beer. Let's get back to the gin where I belong.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't... Goodbye. Goodbye. He's out at uh, Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> I got to think a lot of the beach owners on Minnetonka have used Aquacide oh, to keep man. their swimming beaches free of weeds of and algae. The Aquacide has been helping people maintain... Great lake lakeshore, uh, shores for more than 60 years with a complete line of lake and pond control products that are safe and easy to use and work right away. Registered with the EPA and DNR, the lake detective has signed off. These products will not ruin the water, the fish, or your family. So don't let weeds overtake your lake this summer. Call Aquaside today, they'll mail you the pellets, you fan them out, bing, bang, boom. Why
3: don't they have a store right on Minnetonka, right there, boom.
0: They probably, maybe they have uh, like a food truck that goes around, oh, only, right. it's, only it's Aquaside, Aquaside pellets. Aquaside Call Aquaside at 1-800-328-9350, one 328 9350 or go to Aquaside.com. They've been killing
1: lakeweeds for more than 60 years. Firearm aficionados, remember this name, DKMags.com. It's Kenny here, and DKMags.com is the only gun shop I go to in the Twin Cities. DK Mags is located in New Brighton. They have a full selection of everything and a website that's absolutely amazing and an excellent gunsmith. But it's the friendly customer service and vast knowledge without all the attitude that really hooked me. It really doesn't matter if you're a lady looking for your first firearm or just a fella looking for a new toy or information, you will leave DK Mags happy and satisfied. Try out my favorite gun shop, DKMags.com. dot com.
3: It's the rook here for Thomas Lickers in St. Paul. You know, you might be one of those guys that doesn't know much about wine. Well, you're the perfect customer for Thomas Liquors. They are the wine experts. You know, people really get intimidated by wine. They have a huge selection of wines, over 2,000 to choose from. I know this family. They have uh, three generations, a St. Paul institution for almost 100 years. It's not just a liquor store where you go grab a case of beer, it's an experience. Thomas Lickers, they're out there. They can help you with weddings, grad parties, all sorts of different events, and they're very community oriented. I want you to check, they got a wine sale going on right now, June 7th to June 30th. What's the wine sale? 20% off of all wine. And they got a wine tasting coming up Saturday, June 8th, from 2 to 6 p.m. They will make you very knowledgeable about wine. In fact, the latest uh, the take from Thomas Lickers is Alexander Valley Vineyards, 2013 Cyrus. Uh, I sipped on it last night. I'm not a huge wine guy. The wife is a wine guy, and she absolutely loved it. So if you want to know more about the Alexander Valley Vineyards 2013 Cyrus, show up at Thomas Liquor. I bet if you go there Saturday from 2 to 6 for their wine tasting, they will be featuring Alexander Valley Vineyards, and you need to tell them the rookie sent you. Go online to thomaslicker.com, and don't forget to tell them that The Rookie sent you. Again, a St. Paul institution for over 100 years. In St. Paul, Mack Groveland, Highland Park, and all over the Twin Cities, you need to go, for your wine needs, Thomas Licker, on Grand Avenue and Prior in St. Paul don't forget to tell them the rook sent you
1: great news glers towsley motorsports has polaris slingshots that's the fun three-wheeled open-air roadster that you drive on the road i'm talking no roof no doors all power and 100 excitement stop in the towsley motorsports mention garage logic for a test ride and a free goodie bag you gotta check one out glers these babies are a blast and you will have a ball Slingshot is a three-wheeled motorcycle. It is not an automobile. It does not have airbags and does not meet automotive safety standards. Three-wheeled vehicles may handle differently than other vehicles, especially in wet conditions. Always wear a DOT-approved full-face helmet and fasten seatbelts. The driver may need a valid motorcycle endorsement. And don't drink and drive.
0: University of Garage Logic ninety eight College of Self Esteem zip not a nothing. Here's
1: Joe Souchere.
0: I want to return for a moment to that uh, Washington Post columnist David Vondrelli, whose piece is in the uh, Pioneer Press today, where he is celebrating the economic might of this country and how that played such a role in uh, the defeat of evil.
3: Evil was the right word there too.
0: American leadership since D-Day has been a great vindication of the rising tide that lifts all boats. Today, the United States is a similar slice, about one quarter, but of a much, much larger pie. U.S. gross domestic product was about $250 billion a year at the end of World War II. Today, it is over $21 trillion. Adjusted for inflation, that's a sevenfold increase. And yet, for many Americans, this economic miracle feels like a tale of decline. Only the aged remember D-Day, but most of us have some sense, whether directly or from popular culture, of America's place in the post-D-Day world when everything worth making, so it seemed, was made in the USA. Nostalgia for that lost era has suffused our politics since the 70s. The growth of German steel and tool makers, of Japanese and South Korean automobile and electronics makers, of Chinese makers of low-cost goods have all been touted as evidence that the U.S. has lost its economic edge. Not so. After 75 years, the gap between the muscular economic reality and America's wan self-image is enormous. The United States continues to be the world's biggest economy by far, larger than China and Japan. Combined, Deloitte has forecast that the United States will replace China at the top of the Global Manufacturing Competitiveness Index by next year. Since 2003, the United States has added some $3 trillion more to its economy than the European Union has managed. Yet from the White House to the corner bar, we hear that America is losing ground. The idea of decline dominates policymaking in the president's tweets. In truth, the United States has raised the world closer to its own heights to the benefit of billions, and it started on D-Day. Huh. It started on D-Day. That's why, uh, back to the prayer, which opened the show, FDRs, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, he didn't call for a special day of prayer. He called for continued prayer. He knew that by God's grace and the righteousness of our cause that our sons would triumph. And he knew that with God's blessing, we would prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Roosevelt was a great communicator, and he knew how to use the power of radio to bypass the media and go straight to the American people. In World War II, the very survival of Western civilization was at stake. In freedom's darkest hour, America's commander-in-chief turned to the Almighty and understood the power of prayer. FDR had a letter printed in the Soldier's Pocket Bible given to soldiers leaving for war, in which he took pleasure in commending the reading of the Bible to all all who serve. On the evening of D-Day, June 6, 1944, I'm sorry, I thought he did this last night, on June 5th, the prayer you heard was uh, the evening of D-Day, June 6, 1944, President Roosevelt went on the radio to address the nation, but he did so by asking the American people to join him in prayer. This is a piece by Van Hipp on Fox News. I am concerned that many of our younger generation don't understand what it really means to be an American and don't have an appreciation of what our men and women in uniform have done over the years to give us the freedom we enjoy today. Unfortunately, we don't emphasize American history and civics in our schools like we used to. A recent study found that 22% of millennials weren't sure if they knew what the Holocaust was. Mm. And 67% had not heard of Auschwitz, the Nazi death camp, where oh more than a God. million Jews and others were murdered. As we observe the 75th anniversary of D-Day, it was great to see President Trump read experts of FDR's D-Day prayer in Portsmouth, England on Wednesday. The great England evangelist, Dr. John Guest, says that there is a battle going on for the soul of America guest who spent many a night in a London air raid shelter as a boy wonders what those who gave their lives on the beaches of Normandy would say if they saw what was going on today mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. as we observe the 75th anniversary of D-Day it was great to see President Trump I uh, already said that why is that paragraph repeated twice mm uh president roosevelt's d-day prayer reminds us of what the greatest generation did to save the free world and it reminds us too of the strength and humility of a u.s president who understood the power of prayer and who asked the american people to join him in praying to god during freedom's darkest hours uh and then the story goes on to to uh, repeat the prayer, which this fellow's name is Van D. Hip. is chairman of America's Defense Council. He is former deputy assistant secretary of the U.S. Army and author of The New Terrorism, How to Fight It, How to Fight It and Defeat It. He is the 2018 recipient of the Queen Elizabeth uh, September 11 Garden Leadership Award for National security. He believes uh that not only should we be made aware of this prayer but he believes it should be read and studied in our high schools and on college campuses. Couldn't I couldn't more. agree with yep. him more but right. he, there's a fat chance of that. That's you know what Joe? The
4: academy's too failed to embrace these these words. Right. I just had a terrible thought and I hate even bringing this up but but I I want to. All right. Let's let's fast forward the 100 the 100th anniversary. I think we're seeing what might very well be the last really giant and great celebration. Not celebration. I'm sorry. I keep using that word. That's the wrong word. Commemoration. Oh, commemoration. By
3: then, all World War II veterans will have passed. Well, yeah, well not only
4: that, but the people that are still in some ways connected to it, like like Joe is, like Barry is, they might be too old. You, you, you get I'll what I'm gone. saying? I'll be gone. I'll be gone. And I, I'm afraid that, because I'm going to be around a lot of young people mm-hmm. over the next couple of days. And I'm going to I'm going to conduct my own social experiment to see just how much these kids know. And I, I I'm afraid we're losing people that care about this day. Uh, well, you saw this sixty-seven percent don't know what Auschwitz
3: that's, was. Yeah,
4: that's those are millennials.
3: That's mind-boggling.
4: So twenty-five years from now, what? And these are the people that are raising the next generation.
3: But that, but.
0: Roosevelt's remarks in the call to prayer to the country on June 6th, that's the first time today I think I've heard that prayer. Yeah. Uh, yeah and that I, would... I was, you know, vaguely aware that FDR was a, 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 a powerful voice on radio. I, I should have been aware of this prayer, but I don't recall it being taught to my generation. Really, much less today's. And if I if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I don't recall it.
3: Hmm. Well, because it was such a it, it was the start. It was well, you know, it was the it would have sucked. It had such an impact. But can we you need imagine, to come together. I'm you, asking.
0: Can you imagine though, if the president gave those remarks last night, the oh. current sitting president? How fast would Annie Gaylor fire up the 1959 Pontiac Ambulance hearse, and the Freedom From Religion Foundation would race to Washington and file a protest?
3: You're, you're right about that, yes.
4: It's just pathetic.
0: It is. Have you been following the news of Jack Nicholas auctioning off his Rolex watch? Yes. Mm-hmm. Were you aware that a famous watch worn by Paul Newman was was auctioned? I am aware of that. I think for $19 million. Yeah. Interesting story. You can look it up. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. Why are you but, talking about watches? But Nicholas has a Rolex that was given to him by Rolex in 1966. Yep. And he's worn it for virtually all his major victories. He wore his watch while he played. Mm-hmm. He's auctioning it off. And mm-hmm. I think Moeller should buy it.
3: What a great what marketing! Idea. What a great no, idea! No,
0: none of us, none of us can afford to buy it. If huh? if, if if Newman got nineteen million, I'm betting Nicholas is going to get ten to fifteen million, huh? all for his uh, charitable endeavors. By the way, he doesn't need the money, mm-hmm. uh, and he can always buy another Rolex. And if he does, I want him to go to Moeller. Hell yeah! That's they've got a great selection of Rolex. Well, I, to- I I told you I looked at a sixty-seven thousand dollar Rolex, and I said to the to Matt, how many of these a year do you sell? They sell a couple. I'm not, I'm not a candidate. I'm just saying I looked at it. <laughs> when I
3: win my first golf tournament, that's where I'm going to get my Rolex.
0: Uh, and not only is it, Moeller, uh, the great place to buy your jewelry and your diamonds and your wedding rings and your watches, they also uh, will take the jewelry you bring in and buy it from you. They love estate jewelry. They love buying pre-owned diamonds, gemstones, estate and antique jewelry, vintage watches. They've been doing it for more than 40 years. They truly are the experts uh, because their customers have have an appetite for all things pre-owned, and they are always looking for diamonds, watches, and jewelry to fill that need. Give the people at Molar's an opportunity to show you that they're not only the best place to buy your watches and jewelry, but the best place to sell your pre-owned watches and jewelry. RF Moller, 50th in France in Edina. Ford in Cleveland in St. Paul, Gavaday Common in downtown Minneapolis, or online at com. Huh. Say we're fact-based?
3: Yep. What do we do? Uh,
0: Sanibel Jim uh-uh. uh, said, rookie gave you bad advice. Why? That delicious Cajun sausage uh, at Grunhoffers is, is spoken as andouille. The L's are silent. Andouille. Andouille? Andouille sausage. Andouille. And you said you said Andouille. andouille. It's on Dewey and
3: Like I said, and I'm going to go back and check the tape. Yep, Johnny maybe said the L. On Dewey, All right, but if I was a uh, not correct, then I stand. Correct. I was
4: also chastised for not knowing what potato sausage was. I got a couple of emails from listeners, but I, I don't. Like, I'm not sure I know what say. it is. My dad said, "Hey, dummy, you used to, you used to eat it as a kid all the time. Like now so I do remember is what it, it is. It's sausage with potatoes in it.
3: But it's it's, it's stuff. It's." Stuff, Stuff that Spencer puts in there, that's really good. Hey, he good.
0: gets enough time.
3: Yeah, that's true. That's
0: true. <laughs> a GL Crew from a South Dakota native who lives near Watertown and Lake Campesca. I wanted to share knowledge. Watertown is located in Coddington County and is in northeast corner of South Dakota on Highway 212. The lake is northwest of Watertown. Sorry, Joe, it is not in the middle of the state, and if you get the chance, visit Terry Redland's museum. Okay. Okay, we're fact-based, okay. Right? Got it. Remember the uh, story? I think Johnny Height had the story of uh, Volvo's new uh, ad campaign says free towing for life. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I, I thought that's bad marketing, you know, uh, but longtime uh, contributor Downing notes. Lifetime towing for your Volvo? Like you, I initially thought that was a pretty bad marketing gimmick. Should I expect my Volvo to need frequent towing? Then I got it. Remember the lonely Maytag repairman? All day he sat around waiting for the phone to ring. Maybe Volvo is planning to do the same thing. They will run ads showing the lonely Volvo tow truck man just sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. Brilliant. Yes, he's there if you need him, but you won't need him. Brilliant. Now all they need is the right character actor for the part. I'm envisioning some rube with an unruly beard, a sleeveless t-shirt, probably wearing shorts with rubber farm boots. And he's just sitting around the <laughs> lousy coffee, crabby coffee shop all day, annoying everyone else with his rude comments and conspiracy theories while he waits for the phone to ring. With
3: his dirty fingers. I wonder
0: if anyone who fits that
4: description is available
3: mm. <laughs> for the right price. He is. Yeah.
4: Kenny and Cooter. They she, could do the the Volvo Kenny tow truck and yeah.
0: Chief <laughs> Offsite Correspondent Kelsey provides a new spin on that classic Hollywood Squares joke. Oh. Peter Marshall. Back in the old days, when great-grandpa Joe put toothpaste on his shirt, what was he trying to do? George Goebel. Get it in his mouth.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that photo of you made the rounds, by the uh, way. Your toothpaste uh, shirt. Oh, I'm sure it
0: did. I, I wouldn't have taken that photo. Who we'll took it, Kenny?
3: gained purchase. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gained purchase.
0: Well, not today.
3: I Look at you. Looking you good. Toothpaste, free. toothpaste Looking good today.
0: Toothpaste free today, baby. You shined I, them all up. I got it all on the teeth. There you go. Got <laughs> it on my teeth.
4: Got it all on my teeth. Yeah, I didn't have to do
0: that. There, take a break, please. I got to get some water. We can do that. Yeah. hundreds of veterans the queen and u.s president donald trump will attend the uk national memorial event or did yesterday in what was considered the most important event of the second war world war and the biggest amphibious invasion of military history later more than 200 veterans boarded a cruise ship in portsmouth to make it to normandy in time for the big day today they were escorted by five navy vessels and 18 gunboats as they made the journey to cane Today's group will join 300 D-Day survivors who left from Dover on a British Legion cruise ship named Budica yesterday. Uh, representatives from allied countries, including Germany, are expected to attend these events. Wasn't that fantastic?
3: Uh, yes. And boy, aren't, isn't that nice? Germany's come a long way, haven't they?
0: Well, I think the point of that Washington Post column is the world came, has come a long way yeah, as yeah. a result of D-Day.
3: Well, and you had a couple of bad guys.
0: You know, freedom and capitalism has floated more boats than any other system of government. Right. We're not led by people who particularly believe that or embrace it. But that's to our great loss that right. they don't embrace that. You know, I don't know what the future will hold. Do you think without, without uh, economic might and freedom there'd be a Grunhoffers today? No. No, huh? absolutely no. not. No.
3: So there might be some good German sausage, but not as Grunhoffers. Many varieties of chicken brats, old-fashioned meats, north
0: side of Hugo on Highway 61, just east of Highway 61. I love to taste a bratwurst. Many varieties of chicken brats, (laughs) delicious sweetie potato, sweetie?
4: Sweetie. Sweetie. That's
0: what you call if you really know her well. Uh, Let's have some sweetie potato sausage. Chicken and beef kebabs, fully cooked ring sausage, kielbasa andouille, ring bologna, blood sausage, and country sausage. Country sausage sounds good to me.
3: Really does. It uh, it it's it, uh, hearty, hearty. Hickory, what like a hickory flavor. Yeah. Is that what you're picturing? Yeah, you can get them over there. But
0: remember, this is the brat capital of the world for your own grilling brat brackets this summer. 130 brat flavors. These are pork brats. Do oh. not boil them. Grill them. While you're there, get your bacon cut any mm-hmm. way you want, the steaks cut any way you want, and they've got it all. It's a it's a meat market. The word. chicken these are meat professionals.
4: The chicken breasts there are the best around. You a, they Need
3: a wheelbarrow. They to are bring literally
4: them the size of footballs
0: and a huge. Yeah, and Kenny gnaws on them as he drives uh, in his truck.
3: No, that's gross.
0: Over twenty varieties of beef and chicken sticks. Huge variety of jerky. Double smoked hams. You know the drill. It's just a fantastic place. It's where garage logicians have been meeting each other.
3: You got to try the rookie burger if you have not. Call ahead to make sure it's in stock. I would highly suggest that you do that.
0: GrunhoferMeatMarket.com. Perfect.
4: Say, uh, can I mention one thing before before you move on? Uh, the Garage Logic survey. That's is, what I was going to talk about. Oh, okay, good. It's being ta- uh, we're going to run that through the end of this week. We are not doing a show tomorrow, so tomorrow is your last day to participate in the survey if you choose to. Go to the Garage Logic page, features menu. Boom, takes three minutes.
0: Well, how is it? Has it been getting reaction? <laughs> I'll say. Well because we're we're seriously, you know, this is we're in uncharted waters. Right. Podcasting is an uncharted uh, territory. It's it's new to all of us. We're today was number 172. We're getting in the groove. Mm-hmm. We're we're figuring it out, but we need your input. If mm-hmm. you want to tell us what what you
4: like, uh, what you would like more of or less of. We're getting tremendous feedback. We really yeah. really are
3: I, last night, had a, uh, a Second Stork event uh, mm-hmm. to thank our volunteers that have uh, donated or their time or money at secondstork.org. And one gal gra- drives back from Green Bay. So I turned her on. She didn't know about the podcast. I said, well, you listen to the podcast. at catch up, because as you travel, this summer while you're traveling, wherever you're going, you have a whole bunch of podcasts to mm-hmm. catch up on. Go to garagelogic.com.
0: The survey... Uh the survey helps. Well, it's, it takes you three minutes. Right. I mean, it's nothing, you know. Right. I resent when I get, you know, car companies are sending me surveys. Did you like our service and all that? I always want to say, leave me alone. Right. We <laughs> Just didn't leave do this, me alone.
3: We didn't do this to sell you aluminum siding. But we
4: always get great feedback and great ideas from the GLers. That's why we wanted to do the survey.
3: And we don't have any, no opinion. You, you have no, to have an opinion. And only two
0: one. genders, too. That's right. 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 <laughs> only one or two, two genders. genders. Are
3: we eliminating a whole bunch of people because they, no, they can't no, find No, but their... you're
0: still one or the other. Right. Where you take it from there is that's right. your that's business. You're on your own there. <laughs> you know, you want to get way out there in the 64th gender, that's your business. You can still be a GLer. Right. But, but we're only providing the survey... For this take survey, her. it's boom, uh, or boom. You male or female? You, you got the you, deal or you don't have the deal. Male, female, or I don't know. Mm-hmm. Could have been an I don't know.
3: <laughs> not sure.
0: I can't sleep at night. Are you a man or a woman? Don Knotts. That's what keeps me awake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when are you going to dig that up for a highlight? Or did we already use that? Uh, we we've
3: that? already done. Yeah, we've done Hollywood Squares already. Oh. Well, how about uh, rejected Bond movie titles? Uh, we have that. We've got uh, the origination of lake names.
4: Well, you got to come up with that. When we
3: did well, it's the all, best, it's of, already. When we already. half the time we forget to do it.
4: Yeah. Well.
3: Because you know what? Because we're giving them so much.
4: When action. we did the, uh, it, it is fun though because when the, the the last put together best of that would have been uh, two weeks ago tomorrow.
3: Yes, I remember.
4: Yeah, and there were so many people that have you know our listeners of the podcast they hadn't heard leprosy. Or the the, the, chimp, it, cartoon the chimp cartoon bubble. He's yeah.
3: making the, the blacksmithy. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it ready yet? What did he get <sighs> to
0: take home? The paper.
3: Right. <laughs> I, it was the best when you said the lunchbox because I saw yeah, the, the black the, lunch the, the half with the thermoses on the top right. housed on the top. Right. T- What's in it? The thermos and my bologna sandwich, yeah. maybe some chips, a, a carrot, a banana a for banana. fruit. That's what he had when he went home. What's, yeah. what's for dinner? Fried bananas. Okay.
0: <laughs> Say now through June 29th at any RF Moller jeweler store, you can get 50 bucks off your watch repair. I am taking advantage of that as we speak. I, my watch is in there. It's up on the rack.
4: How often are you over there?
0: Well, I just dropped it off oh, God, gonna, he's right by here his again. house. Yeah, <laughs> my watch is up on the rack. It's getting its uh, sixty thousand mile service. Nice.
3: Mine hasn't needed anything yet.
0: Fiftieth in new. France uh, in Edina, Ford in Cleveland, and St. Paul. Gavaday Common in Minneapolis. Well, uh, you don't say happy,
4: no D Day, do you? You say thank you.
0: You say thank you, D
3: Day. Yeah, and I I would like to shout out to the city of Winona, where my my uh, my dad and his brother were from. Uh, they put out. Um, your tweet was
4: really cool, rookie. They
3: put out crosses, and this one has uh, my dad's brother's name on it. And Joe Shuth from uh, who was originally his dad was buddies with my dad. He sent out a thing on Facebook remembering him on this day, 75 years ago, that your brother, your uncle, gave his life in France fighting evil so that others may live in freedom. God bless him and keep him. If you want to go to the Facebook page, you, you'll find it. But uh, my dad's brother uh, did not make it back, and that messed up his whole family life but uh remember the ones when you didn't come back the people that were still there had to live with that loss and that Mm -hmm. is that's really bad as well but thank you to all veterans that made it back and didn't so there we go
4: the mayor is out yep
3: i'm here i got you we got you i don't fade away I should also mention where you can find all these podcasts garagelogic.com garagelogic.com houses joe's bookshelf author's corner the comics the latest comics from mr greg holcomb and all of our back podcasts where if you're heading up to the lake you can catch up and we certainly hope you will do that as well as if you'd like something new try table talk with rookies family yes it is a legitimate podcast and it's very entertaining to listen to the dysfunction of rookies children and spouse garagelogic.com you can find us apple itunes drop us a little line of how we're doing don't give me that no opinion stuff garagelogic.com and apple itunes GarageLogic podcast version thank you veterans on this d-day anniversary